This is the Sheffield Vineyard Podcast. We love Jesus and we want to be a people that follow him with all of our lives. We love our city of Sheffield and we want to see it full of people who are full of the life that Jesus has to offer. Hello, my name's Rosie. If I've not met you before, um, as Joe said, my name is Rosie, um, and I've been at this church for about, what is it, seven years? Seven, eight? Um, I'm married to John, um, and yeah, I just love this church family very much. So I'm going to be continuing um, our series looking at Luke. So we've been looking at Luke for the past few years, um, and will be for eternity, apparently. Um, (laughs) Seriously. So we're in Luke 10, uh, we're currently in Luke 10, and I'm going to be continuing that, um, that series today. So I'm going to begin by asking a question. I imagine quite a lot of hands will, will um, raise. Who here has siblings? Cool. Um, I have two sisters. Um, my sisters are my best friends. I love them to pieces, and in some ways, we're quite similar. We have similar values, uh, we have similar senses of humour, and some similar interests as well. Um, but there are some areas where we are totally different. For example, where my older sister, this should be a picture that comes up of my older sister looking cute. There she is, it's cropped for a reason. Um, <laughs> where my older sister was, and she is still is, very sensible and reliable, and could pose for a photo like any normal child, this was me. Um, or where my little sister's, my little sister, that's my older sister, my little sister's version of dressing up was putting on a sparkly dress, maybe a nice bag, some cute shoes. There she is. Oh, she's so cute. Um, this was me. <laughs> yeah, I'm called spirited in my family. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's true in many sibling relationships, isn't it? I'm a secondary school teacher, and it's crazy how... Some kids, some pairs of siblings are so alike, and some siblings are literally like chalk and cheese. Um, And our story today focuses on two sisters who are exactly like that. They are like chalk and cheese. And I hope, can we put the the title slide back on now? (laughs) You don't need to see that, let's be honest. Um, So yeah, we're looking at the story of Mary and Martha. And if if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably know the story. Um, but if you're new to this whole Bible thing and you haven't heard this story before, then can't promise you any drama um, or anything out of the ordinary. Nothing in this story will have you on the edge of your seat. But it is in the normality of this story that we discover a glorious revelation about Jesus. And the revelation that is made even greater because of how normal and mundane the story is. Because in life, it's not the big dramatic events that shape us, that shape our character and our perseverance and our faith in Jesus. Of course, those events can put a spotlight on who we are um, and how we respond when we're tested, but our character, it's almost like a piece of art that is being drawn with invisible ink. Every day that passes, we might uh, add a little section, we might fill bits in, we might add more detail, and we keep adding to it day by day. That's where the work is put in. Now, the big events in life, the dramatic events, are like if we shine a UV light on that invisible ink. 
Of course, it shows us the masterpiece that we've created in the day, in the day by day, but it's not the UV light itself that has created the masterpiece. It brings it to life, but the masterpiece has been created by daily spending time crafting it, editing it, tweaking it, amending it. And it's not a perfect analogy because, of course, we can see our character in the day-to-day. It's not invisible like the ink, but hopefully um, it helps us to reflect on the fact that our relationship with Jesus and our faith in him and our ability to persevere and to cling on to hope above all else, all of that doesn't come in the big moments of life, the mountaintop moments or even the tragic moments. It's a product of us spending time daily with Jesus, contending with him, wrestling with him, rejoicing with him, and simply doing life with him. Um, And that's what our story is about today. So let's get into it. It's from Luke chapter 10. Um, It's quite a short uh, short section, but there's loads packed in there. Uh, It should be on the screen, or you can read it on your Bibles. I think we'd... uh, Yeah, it's from the NIV version. So it says... As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So to put this story into context, Jesus is visiting really dear friends. So Mary and Martha and their brother, brother Lazarus, um, that dude that died and came back to life, um, they're a family that Jesus really loves. And it's important that we make, uh, that we, we notice this because this story is perhaps different to other stories that we've seen um, perhaps in this series and other, other um, contexts that we see Jesus so regularly in. Because Jesus had followers He had people that he would teach. He had people that required things from him. And he also had haters. He had people who were trying to make his life a misery. And all these these people were taking from him. But um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are Jesus' friends. So at this house, Jesus doesn't just give of himself. He does give of himself, but he also receives back in kind. It's a kind of a mutual exchange of love and care. So Mary and Martha, they love Jesus, but they have different ideas of how to show this love to Jesus. So we'll take each in turn and we'll, respond, we'll see how Jesus responds to each. Um, so let's start with Martha. Oh, Martha. You can picture the scene here, can't you? Um, if you've ever cooked a Christmas meal or something of a similar ilk where there's a million and one different things you need to do and there's a lot of pressure. Everyone's been looking forward to this meal. Um, and so your stress, as well as like everything else bubbling, your stress is bubbling. Um, you've got like one pan on a medium heat frying this and then this pan on a low heat simmering that and then you've got to put that in the oven at 180 degrees for 30 minutes but that one in 20, for 20 minutes and that one at 220 degrees for 50 minutes and you've got gravy on your dress you've got flour in your hair and your guests are there they're really excited but they're just nibbling on crisps and drinking wine and you're just like what it's stressful i've been there um 
maybe you recognise this. But so Martha is, Martha is going above and beyond for Jesus. But she doesn't feel like she has enough hands to do what she needs to do. And no one is helping her. So eventually, her stress levels bubble over and she snaps. I've definitely done that. Um, she's annoyed at her sister. Um, but she's also annoyed at Jesus. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's annoyed at the idleness and the incompetency of her sister, but she's also annoyed at Jesus for not doing anything about it. And for all that we can learn from Mary in this passage, I think there's something here that we can really take from Martha as well. Look at how boldly she talks to Jesus. It's not polite, and in fact, it's pretty rude. She's criticising Jesus, and she's telling him, you're not doing your job properly, Jesus. I'm not happy. And it's reminiscent of a conversation that you'd have with family or with friends. If you said this to an acquaintance, that is not going to materialise into a friendship. But it's a sort of thing that you say to someone that you know loves you that they can take what you throw at them, and they're not going to walk away. Sorry. They're not going to reject you. Martha is sure of her relationship with Jesus. She is fully and completely honest in her frustration. She teaches us not to approach Jesus like an acquaintance, but to approach him like the brother, the husband, the parent, the friend. And how can we be assured that Jesus won't reject us? Because he doesn't reject Martha. He rebukes her, yes. But does he say, Martha, how dare you speak to me like that? No, I say that at school. But Jesus does not say that to Martha. He lets the annoyance and the rudeness slide. And he rebukes her priorities. He rebukes her understanding of what love and service looks like. And as we unpick this story, some of you are going to recognise yourself as Martha. I, myself, am quite similar to Martha, um, and in many ways I'm just preaching to myself and you're listening in. That's how we're dealing with this. Um, And it's strong language, but Jesus rebukes me. He rebukes me, and for all of your Martha-like tendencies, he rebukes you too. But we're not not to be afraid of Jesus' rebuke. I know that word rebuke can make us go, but his rebuke is for our good. It's not to put us down or to shame us. It's to raise us up. It's for our good and for the glory of Jesus. If you have children or maybe nieces and nephews or you work on the kids team or whatever, you may not realise, but we rebuke children all the time. And why do we do it? To keep them safe and to keep them happy. We have um, three nieces. They're, they're amazing, and I use them a lot in my preachers, so I apologise. Um, but my, one of my nieces, she's two, and um, the other day we were eating dippy egg and soldiers. Well, she was, and I was helping her. And um, she said to me, hot, hot, blow peas, hot, blow peas. So in toddler, that is, Auntie Rosie, please can you blow on this, because this egg is really hot, I'm going to burn myself. And where has she learned that from? It's from everyone who cares and looks after her, saying, oh, no, be careful, it's hot. No, no, don't eat that yet. You're going to burn yourself. Why do we say that? So she doesn't burn herself. Why? 
because we love her and we want her to keep her safe. Does she continue to eat it? Well, she might, but if she does, she burns herself and she realises that mummy and daddy and Auntie Rosie and whatever were right and I shouldn't do it again. So she's, she's learnt now to say, hot, 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 blow peas. So she's learnt that the gentle rebuke of the people who care for her is good and she's listened. We can learn so much from little children. Jesus has the exact same intention when he rebukes Martha. And something that I learned when preparing for this talk um, from the late Tim Keller, who's inspired a lot of this talk, um, he's amazing. Um, this is really cool, is that when Jesus rebukes Martha, we can see how deeply he loves her by the language that he uses. He says, Martha, Martha. And in Semitic language, like in the culture of that, of that time, when something was doubled, it meant magnification. And the doubling of a name meant tremendous intensity of feeling. And in fact, we hardly see anyone in the Bible doubling a name without weeping. So, for example, David, when he's grieving and mourning over his dead son, Absalom, he says, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. He doubles his name, he doubles my son. Or when Jesus is looking at the state of Jerusalem, who has rejected God, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? Or when he's on the cross, he's about to die. Jesus cries out to his father, and what does he say? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the doubling of a name is like really intense emotion. It's, it's, it's charged with emotion. So Jesus loves Martha like really loves her, like loves her to the point that he wants to cry. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things and his heart is breaking for her. She's got herself into a tangle and Jesus is pained. Like it hurts him to watch her tangle, um, her tangle herself further and further. And what is she doing to get herself into this mess? It says she is worried and upset about many things. And in the Amplified Version of the Bible, it says that Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. Notice it's not just a case of Martha being busy and distracted. She's busy and distracted by her serving responsibilities. It's, it's, that, it's that desire to try really hard to do what she thinks she needs to do, and she's doing all that she can. But what Jesus is saying is, I don't need any of it. Martha's are the 20% of people who do 80% of the work. Martha is the capable one, the practical one, the ambitious one, the doer, the helper, the server. And in many ways, she needs to feel needed. She's the one that people look at and say, oh, she's so capable. She's Wonder Woman. And you know, she's like, no, 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 I'm not. But inside, she's like, yeah. She loves it. She relishes the need to be needed. And service is not a bad thing at all. Service is such an important part of our Christian faith. Service is the overflow of the condition of our, of, of our heart and our love for Jesus. Service is the living out of our faith in Jesus. But for Martha's, there is the danger of our service becoming the thing that we serve. 
service becoming the object of our affection. The constant striving to meet the unrealistically high expectations that we set for ourselves. Because Jesus says, you have more things to do than you can realistically do in a day. Do you think I gave you that? Like, am I stupid? Like, I'm an excellent manager of people's time. Do you think that I've set these unrealistic expectations on you? No, like, that's all on you. And so that's what Jesus is saying to the Marthas here in this room. All the things that you are doing because you think Jesus needs them, or you think other people need them, or you need them to feel whole, Jesus says, is it really serving me? Or is it serving the service? Are you doing this out of love for me? Or are you doing it to feel whole? To feel needed? Jesus says, where do your priorities lie, Martha? Jesus says, I don't need any of this stuff. You don't need any of this stuff. There is only one thing that is needed, and your sister has understood it. So let's look at Mary. What is Mary doing? Mary is sat at Jesus' feet and she is listening to him. And this is such a beautiful image of submission. To be at someone's feet is to submit to them. That's what the culture of the time, um, that's what we did in the culture of the time was to sit at someone's feet when you're submitting to them. It was to be under authority. And so Mary understood that Jesus is the one who has authority in her life. Not the role she feels she needs to fill, not what other people say about her, not what other people need from her. Jesus alone is the authority in her life. And so she submits herself to him and she listens. Essentially, she says, if the washing up and tidying up everything to make myself look more presentable means that I miss this moment with Jesus, then I'm not doing that. All of that can wait. I'm comfortable with being uncomfortably not ready, not presentable, not sorted, not neat and tidy. I'm going to sit with Jesus and I'm going to listen. And she's also not bothered about what other people say or what other people expect from her. In the culture of this time, it was really countercultural for a woman to learn from a man because education was a privilege reserved for men. So in this story, both Jesus and Mary are rebelling the cultural norms and expected standards of the time. And you know what? Mary has such a profoundly deep connection with Jesus because of this. So being countercultural is not a bad thing. And you may or may not be aware, but the Mary in this story is the same Mary who pours perfume over Jesus' feet um, when she's at the Pharisee's house. And it's that, it's that Mary who, she, she comes to Jesus' feet and she's weeping. And other people are condemning her because she's known, as a sin, known to be a sinful woman. And what does Jesus say about her in, in, in this story? He says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. So Mary knew that he was going to die. She was pouring perfume on his feet. She knew he was going to die. And what's amazing is Jesus continually continually told the disciples he was going to die. You see it across the Gospels. But they didn't get it. When they see him dying, they are like wrecked. 
They're like, what is going on, Jesus? Because they didn't get it. Mary knew Jesus was going to die. How? She listened. The disciples, so-called friends of Jesus, they heard him, but they didn't listen. They had an idea of what the Messiah would be like, and so they heard what they wanted to hear in relation to what they could comprehend. But Mary, she listened, she simply listened, and so she could make peace and sense of things that didn't make sense and that were uncomfortable and confusing. And she has such a deep, profound relationship with Jesus because she listens. She knows in advance about the greatest day in history when Jesus dies on the cross because she listens. And this is what Jesus is calling Martha to. Jesus longs to have a close relationship with Martha as he does with Mary. And you know what? You can probably guess what I'm going to say. He desires to have that same relationship with you too. A relationship where he reveals the innermost parts of himself to you. But how do we listen to Jesus? How do we do it? Well, a great place to start is the Bible. I know it's like standard answer, textbook answer, but it's true. Jesus submits himself to the word of God. That's the Bible. He is continually quoting the scriptures. You know that um, invisible ink analogy I used earlier? Well, if we were to shine a UV light on Jesus, on, on the masterpiece that Jesus has created, it would be scripture. Because when Jesus is tested, when the UV light is shone on Jesus' story, what comes out? Scripture. He's being tested by the devil in the wilderness. He responds three times with scripture. He's on the cross. He's dying. He's being tested beyond imagination. And he quotes scripture, Psalm 22. So if we want to listen to Jesus, we will find the very parts of his being in scripture, in the Bible. And it's not about simply just reading the scriptures. It's engaging with them. It's bringing the challenging parts of it in prayer to God and saying, wait, Lord, I don't get this bit. I find this bit really hard. It's arguing with Jesus on certain matters. It's saying, I don't, that's not fair. What do you mean? It's saying, Lord, breathe life into this word that I'm reading today. Because a healthy personal living relationship all those relationships that we have, it involves back and forth. It involves questioning and answering. It, it, mean, it means um, owning up when things have gone wrong. It means submitting to one another. Jesus invites us to do this with him daily. And uh, changing tone ever so slightly, um, myself and John were on a walk in, in Bakewell with uh, Rob and Sarah, who are on kids, um, the other week. And we were walking past these ducks. Now, it will make sense in a second. Um, some of them were swimming upstream against the current. And they decided on their destination. And regardless of the current coming at them, they'd like decided, I'm going this way. And I'm going to keep swimming and keep swimming, just keep swimming. But there were other ducks that let the, the strength of the current like whisk them downstream. Um, away from the destination. They'd let the strength of an outside force, an external force, overcome the strength of any inner force that they did or didn't have. So we're going to watch 
I stopped and I took a video. Like, this is an excellent sermon and demonstration. It's not, I tried to, I actually looked back and I thought, you know what, you can't really see what I'm trying to get out here. But hopefully there'll be something. So we're going to watch a video. Can you see? Right, they're really trying hard. But this duck, oh no! <laughs> but then he, he tries, he, good on him, he's trying. But then you see some of his friends, look, oh no! Yeah, I think that's about it. Okay. Um, it wasn't as impressive as I thought it was going to be. Um, never mind. But that's like Mary and Martha, essentially. So you can just think of these cute ducks. Um, Mary has decided on the paths she's going to follow. And she's like planted her feet in the, at, the, at, the, at the base of the stream. And she's like, I'm going to keep going in this direction. Yes, this current is really strong, but I'm going to keep going in this direction. I'm going to like really push hard. But Martha, on the other hand, she lets herself, she, she's like, oh, yeah, you know what, let's just go down this way. She lets herself get swept along by the current of busyness and distraction and a list of things that she thinks she needs to do. And Jesus, he invites you to say to the things that you think you need, he invites you to say, I don't need you. He invites you to plant your feet, like firmly. As I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a Martha. I'm a big Martha. Um, and if I'm honest, preparing for this talk has come at a really pertinent time for me. Um, I've been really bogged down um, recently with just things that I think that I need to do and people I think need my service and jobs I think need doing. And I, I had stopped spending time with Jesus. Um, I, I might read a bit of my Bible, but it's not going in. It, I'm just doing it. Um, and I've really tried this week to find time each day just to stop. Like, not to just do a tick box, but to stop and to listen and to pray and to read scripture and to read it intentionally. And it's been really encouraging to know Jesus' closeness. And you might find yourself in a similar predicament. It happens to all of us. And it just so happened that it happened to me as I was supposed to be preaching on this. I think God does that sometimes. Um, and I think there'll be a mixture of people here. Some of us will be Martha's through and through. And during this talk, you're like, I feel so seen. Um, but even if you're more Mary-like, we all have Martha parts of our lives. It might be a section of our life that is just a bit more Martha-like. Or it might be that at periods of our life, when things get a bit more stressful or whatever, our service becomes a priority over the thing that we serve. It happens. Regardless of who we are, it happens. We all become Martha-like in some way or other at some point in our lives. And to us, Jesus says, he says, Martha, Martha, Rosie, Rosie, my child, my child. He rebukes your behaviour, but he does it because he loves you so deeply. He says, look at my child, Mary. She has a close, intimate relationship with me. She knows my heart. She knows things about me that other people, they're not listening to because she's listening to me. And I desire for you to come and sit with me. I desire that you know my heart for you, for your family, for your friends, for your community. All these things that you think you need, let me take care of them because I just want you. That's what he says to you. And so we're going to pray um, this morning. 
about all this stuff that we've been listening um, and learning about. Um, so I'm just going to invite you to stand. We'd love to invite you to be part of the community at Sheffield Vineyard. You can head to the website and find more information about how you can serve, join a life group and get involved in church life in general. Bless you and have a great week.